My name is Scott Challoner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and current affairs. And to this end, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome Mandana White onto today's programme. Uh, Mandana is the founder and CEO of Smart Grid Forums, a company that works with the engineering sector on innovative event concepts and programs that inform technical decision makers and smart grid remains close to sector developments in engineering and in energy and provides live event platforms that function as a catalyst for new ideas and approaches to achieving future energy security a very important topic i think it's fair to say in the here and now so without further ado mandana welcome to the show and thank you for joining us Thank you, Scott. It's great to be here, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, myself as well, Mandana, and um, just before we uh, we sort of kick things off uh, with the uh, the specifics of what we're going to talk about today, um, I suppose I've given the uh, the concise version, if you will, of what it is that Smart Grid does. So perhaps you can just expand upon that for us, and just tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do in your own words. Sure, um, Smart Grid Forums is actually we're an independent conference organizer that specialises in the smart grid sector. We set up about 12 years ago um, under founder and CEO. And we're really, the reason uh, we exist is to support the European power grid sector in its energy transition, in its move towards a more flexible infrastructure that will better support the integration of renewables and electrical vehicles, which is the direction that the uh, energy sector is taking. Um, so we, we work very hard to understand the trends that are going on in the market, the information that the engineers need to help them make the right technology choices and take bolder implementation actions. We're all very aware of how far behind we are with the climate goals. Um, And a lot of that is to do not with the will to get there um, or the strategies and policies, but with the pace of implementation of new technologies. That's really what's holding things up. So our conferences bring people together, bring the whole ecosystem together to get them to discuss the most crucial issues that they face in moving forward to gain clarity and then to go back to their organisations and take more confident action. So that in a nutshell, I would say, Scott, is um, is where we sit in the sector and how we support them. Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about the importance of the energy transition there. And um, that is something that we're going to get on to a little bit later on, because in the context of the current cost of living crisis, I mean, energy security especially is something that's very much in the headlines right now and uh, I guess obviously there's that need for a balanced solution in the sense that we have to make sure that we ensure energy security in the uh, in the short term as it were but that can't mm-hmm. come at the detriment um, of the climate goals can it so we will be getting on to that, yeah. uh, that that a little bit later on in the uh, the conversation uh, because mm-hmm. it is something yeah. I do uh, really want to talk about but something else I wanted to address is the fact that uh, you are actually a woman working in the conference space for the energy industry and uh, it is one of the uh, the least gender diverse industries that are out there so um, from your perspective why are there so few women actually working in this sector right now in the energy sector itself mm, yes yeah. um, i think the situation is improving certainly in the 12 years that we've been running our events i've seen um, a pickup in the number in the ratio of women that are now attending our conferences 
Um, the technology sector has traditionally been very male-dominated. Um, it's just the subject matter seems to attract more men than women. Um, and the women who do enter the sector, I think there's still a sense that, um, you know, as a, as a woman uh, in a male-dominated sector, you have to work almost twice as hard to be seen and heard. So um, there are some very powerful women there, and I think the sector is now working very hard to diversify, to hold up female role models, and to encourage more women to come into the sector. Um, certainly as a content organiser, we're quite, um, you know, we're female-led in terms of the ownership and leadership of our organisation. Mm. And up until recently, um, we've been very, we've been 80% uh, female. Our workforce has been about 80% female. So we're actually working on diversity in reverse, which is to have a better balance of men and women, because it's my belief that um, actually, you know, we get things done uh, more effectively if we have a balance of the men rather than domination of one or the other. And would you say that the uh, the gap, if you will, in the industry, I mean, is that just a UK issue or do you think that's something that's present in the energy sector across the world from your experience? Exactly. Um, I would say it's across, I mean, it's across the sector for sure. It's not just a UK specific issue. However, I do notice that with our um, with our customer base and our speakers, the European ladies are often more willing to step up and to speak at the conferences and to offer their insights and take a leadership role than the U- their UK female counterparts. That is a subtle difference that I've noticed. The reasons for that are, are varied. I mean, there are many reasons for that. Um, but generally, I, we do find that, particularly the Scandinavian countries, they're really quite ahead in terms of gender um, diversity and equality. And even in the in the tech sector and the energy sector, the women are more proactive and more willing to step up and, and be heard. Yeah, so I suppose there's a cultural difference there in the sense that they're far more ahead with it than we are, and therefore the women that are working in the industry are far more willing and, and sort of ready to come forward, if you will. Um, so thinking about sort of the um, the UK situation, um, you talked about the fact that the subject matter tends to be something that maybe interests males more. So maybe the sort of an industry perception there that's perhaps causing a problem. And you also mentioned as well, uh, something that I want to hone in on is that uh, when you are a woman coming into the industry, certainly initially, it feels like you have to actually work twice as hard to get somewhere. So with regards to remuneration, would you say there's actually still a gap there, a gender pay gap within the energy sector? I think that's um, that, that's kind of commonly understood that there's still a gap, not just in the energy sector, but across all sectors, um, that women perhaps don't fight as hard to uh, get their pay addressed and raised, it's maybe not the primary reason that they're working. Um, perhaps there are other motivators for women, and so they don't work as hard or fight as hard as the, their male counterparts do to have their pay addressed. Um, so I think that gap exists. The reasons for it, again, are quite varied. And what I'm most interested in is empowering women to ask for more, to step up, to lead, to expect more and ask for more, demand more. Because I think it's only then that there's going to be a real change made. For as long as we're waiting for permission, um, I don't think the change is going to be made. Um, and so it's really up to, uh, up to women themselves to feel confident and empowered 
I think that's important and it actually casts my mind to a conversation I had on this very podcast with a um, a woman who was a leader, an executive leader within a business and uh, she told me yeah. about the fact that when women are sort of appointed to executive positions, it it's a move that almost becomes um, a risk a risk of becoming a box ticking exercise doesn't it because if you're bringing these yeah. women into executive roles and then they're not speaking out or if they are speaking out they're not having their voices heard and they're not being listened to it just becomes that doesn't yeah. it? it becomes a box ticking exercise and we don't have that change that we need to see so it's about not just getting women into these positions but also making sure that they're being listened to, they're being heard, and what they're saying is being taken on board, and essentially yeah. their needs are being addressed as well. Exactly, exactly. But I do, I do believe that it starts and ends with the women themselves. Um, you know, you don't when you're in a meeting with a, a mixed gender group, you don't often see men waiting for permission to speak. They just, you know, they put their point of view across, um, you know, as and when they wish to. But with women, often they're waiting for permission and they sit listening silently um, and then often get overlooked because of that, because they are more, um, you know, they observe more, um, they're more sensitive to the vibe in the room, perhaps, to the dynamics of the group, etc. which all of this is positive. However, it does make women hesitate uh, to speak and to express their opinions. And the other side of it is that we can perhaps be too... Um, conscious of how we're coming across and whether it's acceptable and um you know whether we're going to be deemed to be too bossy if we speak up too often and things like that and these are simply things that men don't need to think about and so they just have a more natural flow in group conversations and in putting their opinions forward i think this is just something that we women need to change um again i don't think we should be waiting for permission and we shouldn't be overly concerned about other people's perceptions when you're in a leadership role, your primary responsibility is to be an effective leader, whether you're male or female. And there are certain criteria that go into effective leadership that need to be adopted by all. <clears throat> and so I don't think um, that being too conscious of your gender is actually a helpful thing in leadership situations. Mm. Absolutely right. Uh, some really important points there, and uh, a lot to, uh, of course, take in on the uh, on the issue. And I, th- I think it is very, very right that there is often a stigma attached to a woman being assertive in a ballroom situation, isn't there? Just kind of speaking out when it's not necessarily expected, but a, a man goes and does the, exactly the same thing, and essentially there's no judgment there whatsoever. And I think it is very Absolutely. much, yeah. I think I think we do need certainly a a paradigm shift on that, on on the attitude and the perception that we have of that sort of behavior um it is something that's um gaining some positive traction fortunately in the energy sector but of course in a lot of industries we do have a long way to go on that and let's hope that we do certainly see some positive progress on this side of things moving forward into uh, 2023 of course and something else that's also hugely on the agenda for this year given what happened in the early part of 2022 with the russian incursion on ukraine of course is the urgency of energy security and it's something that we have alluded to in the uh, the discussion already um yeah. It raises a huge sort of alarm. It sort of rings the alarm bells, doesn't it, on the fact that we need to be self-sufficient here in the UK. And uh, given our net zero ambitions, a huge part of an energy secure future is going to have to involve renewables and probably also nuclear power as well. But lead times mm-hmm. are a huge, huge factor 
with those forms of energy mm-hmm. and in the meantime of course we're hearing talk from the government about new oil and gas licenses in, uh, for North Sea exploration. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy as well about a new coal facility in uh, Cumbria that could be opening. So from, from, from your point of view, Mandana, um, do you feel that energy security in the short term, we need to be very careful that we're not going to be compromising those long term carbon goals, as we've sort of uh, touched on already? I think there's no denying that in the short term, we just need to take some urgent action and make sure that we can ensure um, energy security. So however we do that in the short term, it's essential that, you know, we're not in a situation where we're taking blackouts, basically. That's really important. Um, The Ukraine situation has been a long time coming, and I think there's been for several years too much complacency around it. And now that it's been, you know, our reality for the past um, year almost, uh, I think it has urged the industry to speed up its deployment of the smart grid and to, you know, um, quicken the pace of uh, renewables integration. That's definitely a pressure, a positive pressure that we've seen in the last year within the sector. Um, the energy sector, naturally, it's a very conservative sector. It has to move slowly to make sure that it gets all the details of, um, you know, any new technology implementation right before action is taken. But I think even the sector itself recognises that they have been going at too slow a pace and have been too conservative and too cautious, and now we have a crisis on our hands. So the Ukraine crisis, although it's been a terrible tragedy, it has served as a catalyst to motivate the sector to take a faster pace. And a lot of the discussions we have at our conferences are all about what do we need to do to remove the barriers to implementation of this new technology so that we can get the renewables much Mm. faster. The motivation is, you know, what I'm seeing in the last few months, the motivation of the engineers at our conferences is exponentially higher now than it was a year ago. So although it's Mm. been a tragedy, in some ways, you know, it has a silver lining in that the the sector is willing to come together more, to ca- collaborate more constructively, to resolve the issue, and to pull out all of these human factors blocks that have been saying things down and just get to implementation. So we're actually at quite a good place now, I think, in terms of that, because the, the human factors are aligning with the technology capability and the net zero goals. Um, and so I think although we need to take some urgent actions you know, an urgent detour to ensure short-term energy security, we are on a much stronger path towards renewables now than perhaps we were a year ago. I think you raise a very good point there. I think in... Um in the sense that it's almost sped things up and sort of sent a strong message about the urgency of the situation. It's similar mm-hmm. to what sort of the uh, the pandemic did for remote working, isn't it? People say that it took Absolutely. sort of that form of technology forward by about 10 years. And I suppose what's happened now uh, with the uh, the war in Ukraine is that it's brought the urgency of energy security forward. And now we're seeing more motivation. We're seeing greater levels of collaboration. And hopefully that will sort of hasten implementation there, as you, uh, as you say. And uh, it's key, isn't it, that we do see implementation very quickly because when we start yeah. to see these technologies really sort of take form and unleash their potential, we're going to be producing more energy domestically. And that's the key, isn't it, for bringing down these um, astronomical energy prices that we're seeing out there. Absolutely, absolutely. And making sure that we really do have 
clean energy um, sooner rather than later. And as I say, a lot of the, the things that have been holding um, the sector up is just being overly cautious and conservative. The technology is there, it just needs to be implemented. And the community, the ecosystem, including the utilities themselves, the suppliers, their system integrators, all need to get onto the same page. So where in the past there's been a lot of discussion and very little action, now action is actually speeding up. People are coming together, they're connecting, they have a sense of urgency and motivation and uh, deployment of, of, of speeding up. So that's really good news. Yeah, and um, I think we've seen as well um, the benefits that collaboration can have during COVID as well, haven't we? Because, I mean, we've seen for the first time sort of the big pharmaceutical companies sharing intellectual property um, in the bid to sort of get working mm-hmm. vaccines out there. And, of course, they were able to do that in record time. So it just goes to show yeah. what can be achieved when there is that collaboration there. And like I say, too often we do see um, operators within the industry taking that sort of competitor mindset and almost working mm-hmm. in silos from each other, don't we? And uh, we need to see we need to see less of that, don't we, when we're sort of addressing an urgent global situation like the one that we're facing right now. Absolutely, and more trust between the utilities, you know, the end users of the technology, the owners of the infrastructure, and their suppliers. That is so crucial that there's more trust and there's more give and take of information and insight. Um, so that people, you know, the, the industry as a whole can align, and that's the only way that forward momentum can be achieved. So definitely we're seeing a lot more of that. Sometimes when there's a common enemy, it actually brings people together. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's unfortunate that, I, that it happens um, at times like that, but sometimes it's actually uh, the stimulus that gets the sector really connected and really moving forward in the same direction. So, again, great news. Yeah. It is a silver lining, as you mentioned already, in what is quite a, uh, a dark time moving forward. But hopefully, yeah. like I say, I mean, we've just had uh, the uh, the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak yesterday announce some of his five big goals for the year. And he's wanting to bring energy mm-hmm. prices down half inflation by the end of the year. So, you know, there's big ambitions there to try and remedy the situation that we find ourselves in. And just before we kind of wrap up on the uh, the show today, uh, Mandana, I'm I'd be interested yeah. to understand some of your sort of personal goals and ambitions for this new year ahead of us. And uh, are there any sort of key milestones that you're sort of eyeing up yourself? We're actually, we're growing as a as a business. We're a boutique conference organiser. And of course, during COVID, we had to downscale quite a bit. We were um, exclusively focused on in-person events before COVID. And so COVID was also, um, a, you know, a catalyst for us to move towards virtual events to online webinars and so on. Um, so we've diversified our product range and we're offering meetings to the energy sector engineers, both in person now, but also online through webinars, quick webinars, uh, 60, 90 minute webinars, and also 12 week online training programs. And this has been a fantastic way to reach more people with more detailed information, but in bite-sized chunks. Um, so what we're looking to do in the year ahead is to expand that portfolio of in-person events, um, online training programs, and cybersecurity webinars to really help all levels of the energy engineering team, from the CTOs to the you know middle managers and specialists, and right down to the um, engineering teams who are hands-on in deploying the infrastructure to provide them with information that gets them all onto the same page and moving in the same direction. We also want to start exploring entering some uh, other 
uh, uh, critical infrastructure sectors that need to decarbonize. I think a lot of the expertise that we've gathered in serving the smart grid sector um, can serve other sectors um, very well as well, so the transport and aviation sector perhaps. So our ambitions are to expand um, our customer base through, through different sectors. Some absolutely fantastic ambitions, and I do wish you all the luck in the world in really um, achieving those to the uh, the best possible effect, Mandana, as well. And uh, I think it'd certainly be good to catch up at some point in the next year and just see how it's all coming together for you. And uh, one thing, actually, absolutely. yeah, one thing actually that um, I wanted to touch on as well, and uh, just what you've told me there as well, is the fact that you know you're making the best use of the new sort of video connection technologies to obviously reach out to a greater uh, set of people. And we've talked all about sort of best leveraging new technology in sort of the energy field. And uh, you're doing that Mm -hmm. in yours as well. You're best leveraging the developments that we've seen during COVID, reaching out to more people and sort of getting the uh, the message, the training and the resources out there. So it's an absolute credit uh, to yourselves. And hopefully, like I say, we see the energy industry really following suit with that, uh, with that mentality this year. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you. It has been my immense pleasure welcoming Mandana White uh, onto today's programme from Smart Grid Forums. And uh, Mandana, once again, thank you for the time taken to join us. It's been my immense pleasure and really enlightening for me to welcome you onto the show. And I'm certainly sure that the uh, the listeners share that sentiment as well. Thank you, Scott. It's been wonderful speaking to you. Uh, likewise, Mandana, and uh, yourself as well, and to everybody tuning into the programme. As always, I've been your host, Scott Challoner, on today's episode of the Leaders' Council podcast, talking all things leadership in the energy sector. And until next time, when we'll be back with a whole new perspective on world current affairs, uh, please do take care all, and goodbye. <laughs>